welcome back to another episode of The Type Beam. It is a lovely night. We are so excited because tonight is the night everyone's been waiting for. We're going to discuss Tiamat's Wrath, everybody. Woo-hoo! I'm actually so excited for this. So Yes, and we do have some non-book stuff, so we will tell you when we are going to start book discussion because we do have a couple like news and housekeeping things to discuss before we go into it. So everybody is safe to listen to this until we tell you otherwise. But yes, we're very excited. But before we get there, it's time to introduce our our panel of judges in <laughs> The Expanse's next top dictator. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> As as always, it's me, Shannon. Um, Are you calling yourself a dictator? Are you a dictator? Damn. I mean, I can be. I'm an. I'm the oldest. I can be pretty bossy. You're the oldest. Okay. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, it, I I'm in the oldest sibling at my house. Oh, like, okay. Yeah. Uh, so does that make Andrea Avicerla and I'm the resistance? Oh, I can oh. start. I can start cursing. I said Damn. we're all in competition, guys. It's not. <laughs> like I'm not assigning anyone a random character. Um, I'm just trying to be meta, guys. Uh, the voices you hear with me tonight. We have Andrea. Hello, Andrea. How are you? I am fantastic. Just getting over this con crud. It's just killing me, but we're moving mm. lightly. It, it feels like I'm spewing out proto molecule. <laughs> are they? Really... Are they spreading? Are they spreading the measles at yeah. celebration? <laughs> no, they were not. <laughs> we had a not. we had a measles outbreak at my sister's school, and I keep insisting she was patient zero. <laughs> um, and Fred is also with us tonight. Fred, how are you? I am doing absolutely wonderful. I'm coming off of like a twenty hour shift, so I'm excited to not be working. Did you also catch the the, the Star Wars cooties? <laughs> I got, he gave me the star got, wars cooties oh snap <laughs> you're welcome what a twist it's I like know. midnight Shyamalan movie dun, dun, up in dun, here dun. <laughs> yeah it's the mist <laughs> it's the mist um so before we get into book talk like i said we are going to have a little bit of a mini mini episode before book talk um uh, what, uh, not this past weekend, but last weekend, like time is a really weird construct. Um, I had the wonderful opportunity to go to the great Philadelphia Comic Con where a bunch of crazy wild scream firehawks uh, gathered because the Expanse cast was there in part and there were many panels. <clears throat> I'll pro- I'll go into more detail in another episode because I don't want to take up too much time, but uh, I just want to thank all of the listeners I got to hang out with, um, as well as the other fans who aren't listeners, and that's totally a-okay. Uh, podcasts can be hard sometimes. I don't listen to podcasts. Um, don't tell but... that to our network. <laughs> they might kick us out. Listen, I've been reading. Um, <laughs> I've been reading. Um, but uh, it was really great to get to you know meet so many of our listeners uh, and spend time with so many other fans talking about uh, what the show means to them. Not not our show, obviously, though we do mean something to someone. <laughs> um, uh, hearing what The Expanse meant to people and getting to, you know, interact with the cast. Um, because, you know, Dom, Cass, uh, Frankie, and Kara were there, as well as Andrew Otilio, <laughs> friend of the show. 
and um, it was just it was super super fun. Everyone was really great. Um, there was even a Belter bar uh, in one of the hotel rooms run by uh, Payne McTain of the Expanse Cocktails fame. Uh, it was basically, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I didn't get to go to the first Expanse panel, but the diversity panel was incredible. And it, there was a, a moment where we all did the, you know, that scene with Drummer when she gives that speech yep. on the behemoth? They played that. And when it got to the part where all the belters were like stomping and banging, Ooh. we all did it. Is there a video of this? There is. Oh, um, I love it. There is. And I'm happy to to retweet it for anybody who hasn't seen it yet. But we made Dom cry. Aww. It was a really super emotional moment. And I kind of got the feeling we were going to do it. But, you know, you never know until, like, somebody starts. Right. Um, but it was, it was really incredible. And we got a lot of cool insight um, into, like, how different relationships are handled and and you know how you deal with diversity on a show like this and things like that um but you know it was just it was really rewarding to get to hang out with so many other fans and yes i lost ed at the wawa and now it's immortalized in a reach comic and it will be my shame forever but um we had a lot of fun so thanks everybody uh who hung out with me and thank you for the really good time. And if you listen to the show, thank you so much for telling me what you think of it. I'm really glad you like listening to us. Um, and it, it was just a really good time. And I hope we get to do something like that again. And I will be talking about that kind of in a minute. But because we're talking about Tiamat's Wrath, there is something we should probably do before we head into spoiler territory. So, Andrea... Do you want to talk about? Well, what? Do you want to talk? It sounds about... like you're about to start flirting. Like, do you want to talk about your game, Andrea? Oh, I, I want to talk. This sounds you want to so talk about disgusting. Your game? <laughs> we are friends. <laughs> we are allowed to flirt. It's called friendship. <laughs> oh, I did not know that. Maybe I should the start good texting ship. my other girl. <laughs> the good ship friendship. <laughs> <laughs> the benefits of dealing with your <laughs> ass all the time. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. All right. So, um, the last couple of episodes, um, we've been discussing a little, um, cue, uh, a little giveaway, um, for the listeners of the type beam. Um, in the last episode, we gave you guys the first keyword of three, um, that you need to enter, um, in order to win a canvas of the Rocinante, uh, logo. Um, the keyword, because we're going to be going into spoiler territory, I'm going to say it right now. Um, so if you have the one from the last recording, this one, and the one that's going to be featured in the next episode, um, all you have to do is DM the tight beam at the tight beam, uh, for confirmation that you have all three keywords and you will be in the draw to win that canvas. So the key word for this episode is Amos. And that he is, is that it. guy. He is that guy. He is that guy. All, All right. right. So I'm going to be passing it back to Shannon because um, she for wants a hot to talk 20 seconds for a hot 20 seconds because she wants to discuss the expanse cast at FedCon. 
Yeah, I'm going to be real quick because, you know, we're still a month out, whatever. But um, what we haven't talked about is that pretty much almost the entire main cast of The Expanse is going to be at FedCon, which is in Bonn, Germany in June. It's from June 7th to June 10th. Check it. We got Frankie. We got Sheree. We got Cass, Wes, Thomas, Steven, <gasps> Nick, Ter- Nick Tarabay, our, our favorite, and Dom. Like, literally... Everybody is going to be there. And guess what? So am I. Oh, geez. I kind of... Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Do you I hear can... that? It's the sound of cancellations. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's true because our show has terrible luck. And yeah, I bet I, I will get this convention canceled. <laughs> Probably. By just association. But yeah, um, thanks to the incredible generosity of a few friends of mine, I will be going to uh, Bonn for FedCon. And um, with a quick stop over in Dublin because I got to see my peeps. Um, I got to see my people. But... Yeah, I'm really excited. I have never been to mainland Europe before in my life, and I'm terrified, but I'm hella excited. I can't wait to meet more Screen Firehawks and Expanse fans and get dragged by cast members again and just have a great grand old time. I'm excited. So, yeah, that's it. Hot, not quite 20 seconds, but maybe a minute and 20 seconds. <laughs> I yeah. love awesome. it. Awesome. I'm really excited for you. I'm I'm stoked and terrified. A jealous. I oh, would take you with blast. me. I would take you with me if I could. But See, I had to get help. Oh, I know. And that during that time I'll be moving, so that's gonna be Oh, that's also that's true. crazy. So literally moving that week. Your job, Shannon, is to Skype us so okay. that we can say hi to everyone. Sure. Thank you. Yes. All right. You have to yeah. do it. I mean, Dawn, I, I, so so Dom knows about yes. this situation and she's going to yes. want to make sure that I am okay. Yes. So, well, and I did bring that, I did talk about that a little bit at Philly Comic Con because I was touching base with some people we've discussed oh. interviews with. Um, so yeah, like that's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy. I'm so yeah. excited. I'm, I'm terrified and excited. It's kind of like moving except not. Cause I'll be coming <laughs> back. No, I'll, be, I'll be coming back. I hope but, you come back. <laughs> I've been learning German on Duolingo and I'm probably terrible at it, but it's been fun. That's um, amazing. but yeah, so I'm sure you'll be just fine. Oh yeah. I'm going to be surrounded by Europeans. So I'm, I'm feeling pretty safe. <laughs> Dublin's a little scary cause I'll be by myself, but you know, I'm 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 excited. I kind of can't believe it's happening still, which is no, a lot of, part honestly, of why I haven't been talking about it. But I brought it yeah. up at Comic Con, so I was like, I might as well. Thank you to everybody who has given Shannon this opportunity. It was honestly mind blowing to hear it. So I cried a lot. Yes, I cried a lot. So I'm overwhelmed and excited and. Uh, I've already been made fun of about it, so it's okay. You like it's it. It's okay. It it's definitely a surreal experience to be made yes. fun of for that. But yeah. So I hope to see some peeps there, maybe. Mm-hmm. And now, ladies and gentlemen, if you are a show watcher, if you do not read the books, or if you have not finished Tiamat's Wrath. You might want to stop right now. We love you. 
We adore you. We appreciate you. And that's why we don't want to ruin your life tonight. <laughs> so uh, as, as Andrea knows, getting spoiled for The Expanse when you're working really hard on a podcast for one sucks. Um, and so we don't want to ruin that experience for you guys, especially if you do not read the books. Um, so we love you, but bye. This is it. Unless you like spoilers. Some or if you do. like spoilers, you are free to stay. You're I was free about to, to do stay. my countdown. You guys ruined You're, it. All right, we're gonna get we're gonna shoot it back to you for okay. your countdown. I just want oh, these so people to know that we love them. Despite... No, we we love you guys very much, and this is why we're respecting your privacy and the mm -hmm. fact that you don't want to hear it. You um, got a cool 14 minute episode this week. Easy listening. Exactly, <laughs> and, and even Fred is throwing hearts at you guys. So yeah. on Twitter, you can you follow Fred and the Tape Beam, and send us an emoji heart if you appreciate what we're doing here. Anyways. So, the countdown starting. The tight beam is about to transmission one of the most awesome reviews ever. So, in five, four, three, two, one, blast off. Here comes really the funny juice. She got the numbers wrong. I know. Oh, or she started doing it in Spanish halfway through. <laughs> like, oh, tw another twist. <laughs> So I want Fred to start this because of what happened in the last episode. I made sure to put this front and center. Fred, give give us your thoughts, Fred. Give us your comments. So one thing I really appreciate about um, James S.A. Corey or Ty and Frank is the names that they come up with each book. Like each one is really unique and the meanings that they have are really deep for the, the subject matter of the book. Uh, for this one, we have Tiamat's Wrath. Um, Tiamat is a primordial goddess of the salt sea, um, mating with Abzul, the god of fresh water to produce uh, younger gods. She is the symbol of the chaos of primordial creation. Like that is, when you take that name and you kind of apply it to Laconia and who uh, the big baddie is, it, it just makes you like stop and think. Yeah, and I mean, it's not just, I mean, you can look at this now that you've read the books in different perspectives. You can talk about Duarte and his daughter, Teresa. You can talk about just the the two children that are being tested upon being a, a kind of like a limb of the proto-molecule itself. You can talk about Amos as being part of that younger god concept because of everything that's happening so just tiamat there's so many ways that it could be interpreted as to who it's talking about so it's awesome well not just that you have the protomolecule species itself the people that created the protomolecule tool and then you have the species that killed the yeah. people that created the protomolecule um that looks like they're still alive today uh, they're doing a lot <laughs> they Not are doing are they a lot still alive, they are haunting the house yes like oh boy they scary oh i just i after what amos says that we're all gonna die i don't oh, know man. <laughs> that was that was one way to end the book as if like holding just there just like man i'm stressed i got ptsd again i'm having a hard time amos you okay yeah we're all gonna die hey! <laughs> wonderful that's just what i needed to hear right now yes it just it, it's yeah, just interesting 
it's a, it was an interesting close when you look at the opening of the book as well. I, mm-hmm. The opening with um, the death of Avicerla and then the closing of... The, I hope everyone stopped listening by then. <laughs> the impending doom. Yeah, just... Well, Avicerla dying is impending doom. <laughs> well, I mean, Avicerla oh, dying, yeah. that's it. The story's over. <laughs> the story's it's, over. It's over. I mean, the only reason it kept going is because Holden was like, you know who would be a great of Avicerla now? Me. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Which you can decide yourselves if he actually was successful or not. Um, he certainly wasn't as suave about it, but you know, yeah. no one can be as suave as a Rosarella at manipulation. No. But you know what? Like, just thinking about her death, like, did it come to a shock for me? Not really. I we feel all like thought because... she was already dead when we all started <laughs> Persepolis Rising. When it was like 30 years later, everyone's like, oh, well. Sorry, <laughs> she <Rella>. gone. <laughs> no, she and gone. like it because of the crazy time jumps that have been happening in the last two books. Mm. It's okay, and she. It's nice that after all the craziness that she's been through, she went down in her sleep. Right, the like, calmest thing to ever happen to Chris Genovese. Exactly, yeah. the calmest thing. I but, wonder if like she muttered under her breath. F-U-C-K as right. she died. <laughs> I mean... She probably choked on a pistachio. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's, but the other thing is, like, you know, if... got, You know, if, if, you know, if people are aware of after their death, right? She'd be pissed, though. Because oh, she was laid to rest in, like, possibly the worst possible place. Yeah. For, because, you know, part of Duarte's manipulation of, of the soul system was... He felt that she should be laid to rest at the center of the Laconian Empire on Laconia rather than Earth, where she came from, or Luna, where she probably had been living until the events of Persepolis Rising. Um, Like it, it, it was like the last, you know, stab. And that's what the prologue is basically about. It's. Other than holding, kind of giving you the lay of the land as to what's going on in the empire, it's about the fact that, like, her being buried there is is Duarte's way of showing that this is the center of the system now. Yeah. Um. Or not the system, the the empire, because it's not one system; it's thirteen hundred of them. Um, yeah. So that was like that. The chapter had like some. You know, obviously, we're just like, oh, thank God, he's he's still kicking, whatever. But it it kind of had that impending sense of doom because of like the the amount of power he wielded and how everyone was uh, Duarte I mean and how yeah. everyone was afraid of him and like you know drummer and Holden have to speak in some sort of code or be so obvious that it sounds like code to avoid getting you know murdered exactly um it's it's a tariff like it's basically painting you like a beautiful picture of a horror um and that's basically what holden describes is you know we're all pretending like it's normal and it's not exactly yeah Yeah. so it's a very good prologue even though it ripped my heart out especially with the poem on her tomb yes yes poem i really loved it i think that it kind of wraps her story just in a nice peaceful way just Mm -hmm. like her dying in her sleep um, so it was a very interesting way to open up the book because like, Mozzarella is dead. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Let's right. just stab us while we're, we're starting. Um, yeah. so when it comes to just Tiamat's wrath, um, as a whole, um, 
1,300 gates have opened to solar systems around the galaxy, but as humanity builds its interstellar empire and the alien ruins, the, mis the mysteries and threats grow deeper. So that's basically like the premise of what we're going to be seeing. Um, mysterious. That's pretty much how we can do it. So the way that we're going to be discussing Tiamat's Wrath is going to be in three sections. Um, before we start with those three sections, um, Shannon was kind enough to break down the different points of views that were in the chapters. Um, we have the Resistance, which is Naomi, Alex, Bobby. We have the Expedition, which is Elvie. Okoye, and I love saying her last name, mm -hmm. uh, Laconia, which is Teresa and Holden. Um, so those are the different types of point of view. We have um, six of them overall. And um, we're going to be starting off by discussing the resistance and what happens with the resistance. So Shannon, take it away. So Andrew was kind enough to put the sections of the blurb for each section. Well, thank so you. I, I kind of did that thing where I thought, like, you know, with most recaps, it's easier to group them all geographically. So, I mean, geogra <laughs> geographically, in, in, in yes. huge air quotes, um, because not even Space the resistance quotes. is together half the time, but, you know. Um, so, the resistance. Throughout the wide human empire, the scattered crew of the Rocinante fights a brave rearguard action against Duarte's authoritarian regime. Memory of the old order falls away and a future under Laconia's eternal rule, and with it, a battle that humanity can only lose, seems more and more certain. Because against the terrors that lie between worlds, courage and ambition will not be enough. Um, so, basically... Uh, as you're, you know, reading throughout the resistance, it sounds like a lot of the people that were considered belters have pretty much just bent the knee to yeah. uh, Laconia and the kids who have grown up, not grown up, but the kids who have are, were young enough to kind of, you know, get swept up in it. You know, they don't know how the belters fought against the inners. Um, they don't know that you can fight a power that is so much stronger than you in small ways. They just kind of let it happen, which is, you know, how, how Persepolis rises ended or mm -hmm. rising ended was with everyone just kind of being like, we can't beat them. Let's join them and hope for the best. Yeah. Um, but there are three characters in the resistance who do not believe that. And that is our beautiful, wonderful Naomi, Alex and Bobby. Um, basically they're without Holden. We find out very quickly they're without Amos. Amos yeah. had gone on a covert mission to try and save Holden. Um, we don't know how much, how earlier than the book started. The book picks up, I guess, a year or two later, and it spans another year or two from what I understand after mm -hmm. reading it. Um, so Amos, uh, disappeared on Laconia trying to get Holden. Um, so it's basically just, uh, Naomi, Alex, and Bobby. Um, and Naomi and Bobby have very different opinions on how resistance should be run, which is, mm -hmm. you know, incredibly real. Um, because no, no resistance is without its, you know, whoever thinks they have the best idea. Because obviously, Na we know Naomi. Naomi is a belter. And Naomi has fought oppressive regimes or at least mm -hmm. she's tried to fight oppression for her, whereas bobby was of the oppressing oppression oppressive group 
So um, it's one of those things where you're just watching two ideologies and two life perspectives kind of clash. Um, and it was very interesting to watch. Naomi believed that we should fight Laconia from the inside um, and come to a peaceful re resolution by just having people rise to the ranks. Bobby obviously <laughs> believed in blowing things up and um, show shows of force and things like that because... Again, also, Naomi doesn't believe in killing people, and Bobby was a soldier. It's basically like just, like I said, two completely different life perspectives kind of, you know, influencing what they believed the resistance should be. Mm -hmm. And so that was, and then, then Alex is just caught in the middle. Um, but it, it was really like fascinating to kind of view and see, um, and the tragic, you know, end to part of that story which we'll get to um mm -hmm. but for me i think the most important part of that whole arc uh was naomi's kind of becoming the leader she never wanted to be um because she ended up having to take over the resistance after the most terrifying thing in the world happened and medina was just completely destroyed i um, was so shocked that was I so shocking i could not believe it yeah, I had to put the book down like Medina is gone. And that is yeah. one of those things that you expected to kind of be there forever. Um, yeah. And it was you know, <coughs> they needed Medina. Yeah. You need Medina to get through the slow zone as the story illustrated. Um, so that was something. But because of that, Naomi had to take over the resistance and um. It was just kind of that moment when she decided, like, I could have surrendered and lived with Jim for the rest of my life, but I know I'll never be happy that way. And he has to understand that. And she chooses to lead the gosh darn resistance. Mm -hmm. It was amazing. I was so proud of Naomi. I, I think that in this book, you you see her grow so much. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's so beautiful that, yes, she was just, Part of the Rocinante, not in the way that, for example, Amos was or for the way that Holden was. Mm -hmm. But now we start seeing how she was kind of like, I don't want to say the mother because she never had like that motherly role. But you can see the pain and suffering of her losing so much within this booklet and that it never destroyed her and it reminds me also when we look at because Fred and I just finished reading all of the books all um once again and, and it just brings me back to when Marco was trying to manipulate and stain who she was as this weak woman who just could not stay with him because she just did not have the balls to stay with him and that she was just feared everything and you see her lose so much you see her lose Holden. You see her lose the Rocinante because everybody's moved apart. You see her lose Amos, not like physically gone, but he's just missing. You see her not being able to be with um, Bobby and, and just Alex and then the loss of Bobby. Like she's at the heart of everything. And it's so important that she never gives up and that she she goes through the things that she does in order to continue having that hope. And I love her arc mm -hmm. um, because it doesn't make her weak. Right. I think Naomi had probably the strongest 
role in this entire book. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really enjoyed what they did. They built it up through the last two books, building uh, Naomi up to be the person in charge. And it was just so well written. Mm-hmm. I, I really enjoyed uh, the development of her character. Um, Bobby was another one that I really enjoyed how her character has been played out. Um, obviously, I didn't like her ending. Yeah. I wanted to see her survive that one somehow, mm-hmm. but... She went out like an effing Valkyrie. And it's, you know what? It's funny because I didn't realize this because I didn't reread the books leading up to this one like you guys did yeah. because I've been stuck reading The Wheel of Time for what feels like forever. Um, <laughs> but someone pointed out that she makes a comment about, you know, surfing on a nuke in Nemesis games. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, for that to come full circle, she went out like an effing Valkyrie. Um, she went out doing what Bobby does best. Uh, it was kind of amazing. And it's hard to, like, it's upsetting. It's so upsetting to see her go. I mean, part of me kind of expected that we were going to get back to the core Rossi crew for the last book. Um, part of me always suspected it. Like, from the second people started joining up, I was like, I feel like this isn't going to go well. Yeah, it's like like Game of Thrones, right? Like everyone dies around the central characters. Like they'll probably be fine. But yeah, good luck, Pod. You know, like (laughs) things like that. Why Pod? (laughs) Screw you, know, (laughs) Brienne, would you have rather I said Brienne? No, no. Anyway, um, so it was one of those things where it's like it was so beautiful and meaningful. And like she died for... Basically, like part of it was she was died for Naomi's resistance because you know, yeah, you have to kind of fight on both fronts, and yeah. it took her a while to realize that. And so, to save Naomi's front, she ended hers. And so, it was just kind of really, you know, it was really tragic, uh, but the exact way she would have wanted to go. And but so, it's kind of it's so interesting that. Bobby has always been a character that is very, I don't want to say stubborn. Stubborn is not the right word, no, but yeah. she's always been very like, these are my beliefs. This is what I'm going determined. with. Yeah, yeah. She's very yeah. determined. And for her to a little righteous, like, hold yeah, on, she's a little righteous, but like in a different way. Yeah. And, and she doesn't feel like she's the type of character who will back down of her own decisions mm-hmm. because yeah. she has that upper hand of understanding battle tactics and stuff like that. And right. for her to let go of that and trust Naomi during these times where there is a war and Naomi's not really, I, I want to say she's not really the most experienced leader. It shows how much respect she gained for the Rocinante. Um, yeah. The fact that she sacrifices herself so that Alex doesn't do something stupid and yeah. save her. Like she knows these people and she, she goes out knowing that she has saved them. And that's the most important thing. And I do like that. But yes, I I do wish that it would have been kind of like a fake out death, like Amos that like she, there was another body floating. And that's basically what I expected throughout the whole entire time that I was reading that it was not her. I was in so much denial because I really did like Bobby and she did grow on me in the books. And, you know, she had dealt with a lot. Like the other thing is, is that, it's hard it's hard to remember because the, a lot of things like like Naomi does Naomi compartmentalizes so 
One of the things that I remember the most from perceptualizing was how much guilt she felt over Holden's kit, um, capture because yeah. she blamed herself because he saw that he, he thought he should be the one to go with the two that were fighting the whole time, Amos and crazy blow-up woman. And, you know, he switched, you know? And so in the end, he sacrificed himself for Bobby's plan, Bobby and Naomi's plan. Yeah. Just like Bobby ended up sacrificing herself for Naomi's plan. Because she harbored a ton of guilt over that. And she harbored a ton of guilt over how angry she was that Holden came back and everyone, you know, diverted to his um leadership and not hers yeah um and so i think you know it kind of her doing this kind of brought her full circle from that moment it was kind of her way to take control again and and have that moment where she's like you know i made this these mistakes but i can fix them and make sure that the the others just like Holden did, I can fix this and make sure that the others are successful well and, and then that's, that's the that's, ultimate leadership Thing. Yeah, and I thought the- her fate was sealed. Sorry, I thought her fate was sealed. Basically, at the end of Persepolis Rising, when um, Holden, you know, gives the Rosinanti to Bobby, and it's like, well, you kind of know that's not how the story's going to go. <laughs> you did, and that he takes baby. it back. Yeah. But then when um, they got the storm, I was like, oh, maybe she'll become captain of the storm, and they'll play it out that way, uh, which they kind of alluded to a little bit, and. I thought they did a pretty good job with, with the whole thing. It was good. Uh, it wasn't completely predictable. No, I, I completely agree. It's It makes me sad that she's gone, but this is what happens. It's the end. Like, And then yep. not everybody's going to live. And like Ama said, there's going to be a lot of carnage. Um, mm-hmm. So this is just the first of many. Um I was so proud of Alex too. Because I, that's when what I was Naomi's watching Alex with his crew, and yeah. she's just like astounded. Yeah, right? he has this whole because part of Naomi's story was she isolated herself because she was so hurt, yeah. and she thought she could get more work done in isolation and, um, you know, be kind of manipulating things and also be separate because, like, obviously, if you take out Bobby. Alex and Naomi all at once, that's a huge chunk of the the resistance just gone. So Naomi being the logistics person who's separate from them was like a smart move, but she struggled a lot with isolation. She would imagine the crew members with her. I think one of the most heartbreaking moments was when she made a joke that Holden would have made and she hears him laugh with her, yeah. which was so upsetting. Um, but, you know, when she does come back to Alex on the Rossi, which... Another beautiful moment we will discuss when oh, yeah. she sees him with the crew of the gathering storm and, and she, you know, sees what happens when you don't isolate yourself as, as a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a, not a diversion tactic, but you know, you know what I mean? Um, isolating compar- herself. To- yeah. Compartmentalizing. I can't yeah. even say that word. Holy crap. And, like, you know, wondering if that was the right thing to do because Alex has, you know, made a whole new life for himself. Yeah. Because he was doing what he wanted to do the whole time, which was pilot. Uh, Specifically pilot for Bobby, but, you know. So that was a really beautiful moment, her just observing him. Because we get a lot of scenes of Naomi observing people over the books. 
Yes. And it, it's nice to kind of have her observe Alex um, because he is like part of the heart of the ship. You know, he's kind of, yep. he's always tried to be the one to keep everybody together. He's always been hurt by everyone separating. And so having that moment of all these people like admiring him, people who literally just came to see him. Yeah. Was like but they were even part moment. of the battle. They just wanted to. They say just hello. wanted to see him. Like that yeah. was amazing. And obviously, I think one of my favorite moments in the book was when they 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 got the Rossi back. They coincidentally yeah. ended up on the Rossi at the same time after Bobby's death, because um, Naomi thought that Alex might need her, and and you have this beautiful one of them flying the Rossi. Mm-hmm. again to make sure that everything works and, and you know they feel the absence of everyone but for a moment it's like it's like none of that happened because they're home i i yep. really loved it i think that throughout the whole entire series alex has remained very constant and and very to his roots like he's always been that family man and even during that time where he does tell naomi that bobby dies Naomi's about to start guilting herself and that it was her fault. And Alex is the one that says, no, this is not on you. This was Bobby's decision. And that's so important because he knows how she's going to take it. And that scene at the very beginning where um, Bobby, Naomi and Alex meet each other. And he knows that Naomi and Bobby have just had like a really intense interaction, but he's like, I'm just going to pretend I did not know that something was happening and just Mm -hmm. go from there. It's so interesting because he understands them and he doesn't have to be in the loop of everything that's going on to feel those vibes between the characters. Um, And it just a one little touching moment is when he's about to like um send that message to his son oh yeah and then he just decides not to because he he feels like well does he really want his son to have that final message or can he hope for another time um i thought that was really beautiful and again it just shows that family oriented aura that he has i I also really loved near the end of the book. And this is one of my favorite quotes from the whole book um, because Naomi is super perceptive. And, you know, she talked about she talked specifically about what it must have been like to be Holden because she realized she was in his position where people knew who she was and they looked to her for guidance and leadership and they protected her. And she she frequently thinks about like, this is what Holden went through. And now I, I'm starting to understand that he probably did not enjoy this. Um, And he probably was never a fan of this because, you know, no one wants to be the center of attention. Like she goes, she realizes what this must have been like for Holden. Yeah. And one of my favorite bits is when she's back with Alex and she's talking about why she took over the resistance. And she says to him, maybe there needs to be a Saba now. So I'll be that if I have to. But there's going to need to be a James Holden later. And if Mm -hmm. he's not there for it, we'll have to pick that up, too. And then uh, Alex asks her, what about a Naomi Nagata? And she kind of shrugs it off with a like, well, she's got to go do her work now. But (laughs) it was a really like because she knows she can never be a James Holden because the role he held made her uncomfortable. And she's always told him that she's not the leader. And I'll talk about that later because I really want to talk about that revelation later. But the, the fact that they all know what kind of people they need for what roles 
And she knows that eventually when it's time to face whatever comes after Laconia, they will need a Holden. But they don't need to figure that out now. Like, it was just, it was really nice to hear her say all these things about, like, what she thinks her place should be. Yeah. And that it shouldn't have to be what Holden, because basically Alex thought she was inspired by Holden. Which wouldn't be a bad guess. It wouldn't be because the, Holden has always inspired people. Holden's never been the hero of any of the books. He's inspired other people to be heroes. And I've always thought that was really, like, meaningful that he just, you know, brings that out in people. And so the fact that Alex points that out to her, like, oh, you, are, you I guess you're doing this for Holden. She's like, no, I'm doing this because we need this person. Yeah. And we do yeah. need a Holden, but I don't, th- don't want to face that until I know. Because she's struggling with losing him and doesn't want to think about the fact that they might need to be a James Holden. Exactly. But the fact that she's discussing who she thinks she should be, like instead of being in somebody's shadow or being somebody's this or somebody's that, she's Naomi freaking Nagata. Yeah. And she's the freaking admiral of the resistance. Like it was honestly amazing. And watching her lead the siege was the coolest thing. I was so proud. I was sitting there like, this must be what Holden feels like every day. <laughs> like, I was like, this is, she's amazing. And, and she played it so cool. She played like, it so cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, I, I it was, Naomi's storyline was really, really good. And um, in the end, it was a combination of her and Bobby's versions of the resistance that worked mm-hmm. out. And she took some of Bobby and kept pushing what she did and it got them exactly what they needed. Exactly. Basically Naomi, I stand one queen and her name is Naomi Nagata. (laughs) (laughs) So that's, I mean, uh, is there anything you guys want to touch on the resistance? Cause I kind of like, I kind of like picked random stuff from random. No, like I, I followed a lot of the things same sentiments and I did speak up a little bit about just overall the dynamics between Naomi, Alex and Bobby and and they did work and I wanted to feel bad for Naomi but her story was written in such a strong manner that I never felt too bad for her because she was finding her place. She could have been sulking, she could have been hiding but she wasn't. She was working um, behind the scenes and that that's beautiful to see. Even when they taunted her with messages from Holden. It, oh, that that, was, that awful. chapter was heartbreaking. That is awful. Yeah. That chapter was so heartbreaking and she she steeled her resolve. I mean, the fact that she spent two chapters like, do I wanna surrender and be with Holden? Yeah. Because basically yeah. I mean, he gives her the option. You can surrender and live with Holden. I you know, i have no problem keeping you guys here and together. Ugh. Um, and which, you know, good for you. That's the least you could do for us right now after you stole <laughs> you stole him literally two hours after retirement. Yeah. Thank you. Um, but yeah, he says to her, like, you can come and live with Holden for the rest of your life and it you know, we'll we'll keep you comfortable. And she considers it. Because that's all she ever wanted. Yeah. And she brings, she says it time after time after time. And her child is like, I just want to wake up next to a gym. I just want to wake up next to gym over and over and over again. But she, she steals her resolve and decides instead to lead the resistance. And she like apologizes to Holden in her head. But all she does is say, you know what? I hope I see you again, but this is what I need to do. Yeah. And yep. it was amazing. I love her so much. <laughs> No, it was really well done. Uh, some of the other things that I really liked too was just the 
how they went about it, how they were passing the messages in the bottles, yeah. how they deconstructed three Doniger class battleships yeah. and rebuilt them, how they moved the storm from system to system in the shipping containers. Um, just the whole logistics piece of it was just really, really interesting to read. Really I, I completely agree. Yeah. All right. So the next part of Tiamat's Wrath, we're going to be looking at the expedition. Awesome. So, okay, in the expedition, um, in the dead systems where the gates lead to stranger things than alien planets, LV Akoya begins a desperate search to discover the nature of the genocide that happened before the first human begin, um, before the first human be begins existed. Who wrote this? <laughs> Holden. Holden. Sure. And to find <laughs> weapons to fight a war against forces at the edge of the unimaginable. Uh, but the price of that knowledge may be higher than she can pay. Uh, I really, really enjoyed LV's character. Um, the whole uh, science before everything was just yes. a really, really interesting take. Uh, I really liked how no no matter what was thrown at her she just um went pure science on on absolutely everything yeah. uh even in her romance to um in previous books but <laughs> we'll, <laughs> we'll go into that and yeah the going to the different systems i found was one of the my favorite parts of the the book, um, finding the planet-sized diamond that is probably the Rosetta Stone of the entire um, alien infrastructure. Um, all the different pieces that they find, and yeah, I just really, really enjoyed a lot of that. I've oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, like, I've always enjoyed Alvi. Um, even just in um, the book that Shannon just does not like her. I Hey, I never <laughs> said I didn't. I love, listen, there's nothing more humanizing than a crush storyline for both members of the crushing. It was literally just how it was resolved. That's it. I love LV. I love that storyline. Jimmy, Jimmy, <laughs> Jimmy, Jimmy, bang, bang. Jimmy, Jimmy, bang, bang. Jimmy, Jimmy, bang, bang. Like, it was very, very sweet, and I, I really enjoyed it. It's just, I just, it was just how it was resolved. She's married to him now, so I guess it's fine. It's okay. I love that they're still together. I, I love Fayez. I just love that he knows her so well, and that there were some times where she was like, well... I'm going to do this. He already knows that I'm going to do that. And he's going to do this, but I'm still going to do what I want to do. <laughs> it's just so funny because they, they fit so well with each other. I just love the dynamic between Fias and Alvi. Just the fact that they work so well with each other. They know that like just the way that they behave. And Alvi is very driven by her science and he's more laid back in terms of it, um, which I really enjoy. So I love when she goes and dives deep into her scientific craziness. Cause I know how that feels like, um, Fred knows how crazy I go with bees, like insane, um, and other things. So I do love her character. Um, it's very interesting because she is, 
in between do working with the bad guys and working with the good guys so she's on a tightrope and that was always very scary to me um but it's very nice that she has always been driven by science and she it's interesting that when um she knows that they shouldn't be testing the Laconian weapons in different systems because they don't know what's going to happen. And uh, look what happens. Everything in the slow zone was either killed or destroyed, including Medina Station, the Eye of the Typhoon, and Saba, the leader of the underground. So, like, it, it just... It's human nature to see how far you can push something. And... LV is against that. And even though she's against it, she's also been exposed to the two proto children. Um, that, and she's, she's trying to understand how they work. Um, and it's so interesting that at the very end, she lets them go to see if she can use them to explore the different worlds that she found. So I thought that Holden set her up just so much success and to be an integral part of the next booklet. I also really like the ship that they were using mm -hmm. and the full the uh, immersion. Yeah. The Falcon, uh, the full immersion, um, crash coaches. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, so they could do 20 plus G, um, G's. That sounded really, really interesting. Uh, I really want to explore more of the different, uh, 1300 worlds. I want to see more and more, Hopefully they do more short stories where they go into these things or if it gets expanded through the um, the role-playing game. Yeah. yeah, I think that was part of the downfall of the um, time jump for... I, I talked about this in the Persepolis Rising chat we did for the Crash Couch, right? There was an issue I had where Naomi's listing all the times that Holden put his neck out for them, right? And one of them was something that happened during the 30-year time jump. And I was like... You know, I really would have loved to see everyone explore these worlds because now I don't know why it's so dangerous for him to go out on a cliff looking for water because I don't know what the planet was like. So yeah. it's yeah. it's disappointing to not, you know, to not only now be kind of getting an idea of all these worlds when we have two books left. Um, when there was a 30-year time jump where that stuff could have happened, we could have seen some of these different, you know, places all like like Illis, right? Though kind of getting a vibe and freehold um, and kind of getting a vibe of what these planets are like and what these systems are like and what other, you know, spooky things are out there um, in each. Cause, cause LV talked about how there were other spooky things. And so it just kind of, you know, it, it's kind of a letdown. Cause when you hear there's 1300 gates, you think you're going to get to see more of them. Yeah. yeah. And maybe we will in the last book. We don't know what the last book's going to have. We don't know what's going to happen other than what Amos said, but, um, yeah, I kind of, I agree. I wish we had gotten more of those. We might get more novellas that explore different characters going into these different worlds. Mm. I'm sure even when the next book comes out and the, the story is done, there's still going to be more expanded universe brought oh, yeah. forth through novellas and through maybe even spinoff books that um, will look at other people's stories from maybe one of the colonies. Um, something like that. I think that might be a lot of fun. Maybe even through even a video game or. That would be kind of like Andromeda. Andromeda. Yeah. I like yeah. that game. Anyway. <laughs> uh, one thing that I really liked about her character as well is just how cool she was. Like she just took everything at face value. Um, like the two proto children, when she gets exposed to them, she doesn't 
judge them. She's not afraid. She just takes it. This is who they are. Mm -hmm. um, let's just accept them for, for what they are. What are those? And... What are those? <laughs> he doesn't know Photo what a robots. meme is. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, continue. Proto-robots. The, the proto-children yes. that are 30 years old but are still children. Yeah, that kind of threw me because I yeah. forgot that was so long ago. Yeah, right? I forgot that that, I, that strange dogs took place like when they landed on Laconia. Yes. Oh, boy. Oh, yes. So I haven't reread the novellas. I would really like to now that mm -hmm. I've um, basically just sped through the last eight books um, just to, to get that filled back out. But yeah, I'm really curious to see how that yeah. um, that gets played out in the next one. I was, um, what I really liked about LV Storyline is watching kind of her take on how they should study and interact with the children versus Cortazar's. Oh, yes. Because Cortazar was very, I mean, we, we already know about Cortazar, both from his appearances in like the Vital Abyss and in the show and momentarily in Leviathan Wakes is that he doesn't kind of have that empathy. Um, he just doesn't see things in an emotional way. So as that's, which is why Holden chose to manipulate him the way he did, because he knew yeah. he could push him that way. Um, but he didn't have a care for these children. He didn't see them as children, which is why Elvie was able to forge a connection with them and get information from them in a different way because she saw them as children. Yeah. She realized they were still children despite what the repair drones did to them, which, by the way, I forgot the repair drones looked like dogs. So every time there, Teresa pointed out the repair drones, which I also forgot what they were for a hot minute. <laughs> I was picturing that robot thing from Fallout. I, I was thinking Matrix. Okay, like I was tentacle. thinking about the thing, the thing from Fallout that like has a British accent, can call you whatever name you want. Um, I forget what his name is, but um, he just kind of floats around and like talks in an English accent, like encourages you to do things you should probably do like take a nap or put your stuff away but um yeah so like the the fact that she interacted with them in a way that they understood yeah. and wasn't scary because obviously cortazar is going to scare a child um like i thought that was an interesting like seeing them and how he she, he felt very threatened by her way of doing things and he kept her locked away from his files and things like that and she would just sit with them and it put Cortazar off because it's like, who just sits exactly with, yeah. with these creepy things? You know, it's I thought that was really a really interesting, like watching that dynamic and that dichotomy um, was really cool. And I think it, it showed a lot from LV because LV, there's a couple of thrown throwaway lines where she says she's a mom. Yeah. So, you know, having that aspect, too, she knows how to talk to children because she had children. So. Yeah, it's like the classic um, carrot versus the stick or, mm -hmm. you know, positive reinforcement or negative deterrent or whichever, right? Um, so she comes at it from a completely different point of view, which really just shows you how much um, different these these characters are. All right. So anything else in regards to LV and the Children of the Dead? Well, I just want to say that I was very creeped out by what happened on the Falcon. I was oh, very, I, I like was yeah. holding my leg. I was very disgusted. 
the description of the man's head. I that's it. That's all I have to say about that because it made me very uncomfortable. Yeah, I mean, there's works around us that we're not fully understanding of. I mean, we have the the time lapse that people just completely forget a couple minutes or a couple hours of their time. Um, and it directly affects Duarte. So it's really interesting just to see like what happens to him because of everything. I wish they yeah. had just listened to Alvi when she told uh, them not to do that. Exactly. No, it's like back in um, World War II times, and they're experimenting with um, nuclear bombs, mm -hmm. and they're literally sitting soldiers down close to these explosions to see what the radiation will do to them. Right. Yeah. Like, they just had no idea. Silly rabbits. Silly rabbits. <laughs> molecules are for crazy dictators who don't lose their minds. So, speaking of crazy dictators, I guess we can now turn our focus to Laconia. So and the, at the dancing bear. And the dancing bears, yes. Mm. Um, at the heart of the empire, Teresa Duarte prepares to take on the burden of her father's godlike ambition. The sociopathic scientist Paolo Cortazar and the Mephistophelian prisoner. Mephistophelian. Oh, yeah, well, mm, I got you, girl, because I practice 80 times in the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> uh, prisoner James Holden and only two of the dangers in the palace, thick with intrigue. Um, but Teresa has a mind of her own and secrets even her father, the emperor, doesn't guess. I so, certainly didn't guess them. Pardon? I certainly didn't guess them. Really? Interesting. Okay, so so tell them. Tell them. Tell them what so, the secrets are. With Teresa, I found myself enjoying and really focusing in on her story. I knew she was going to be an integral part of this booklet. Um, I enjoyed how she was written. She can she they they wrote her in a way that you could tell that she was very young and she was very naive and she was just a, kind of like a child. Um, and it's really interesting to see her grow by the end of the booklet, just the way that she takes the whirlwind and she just is so authoritative with like, have I set the code that I need to say so that you guys know that I'm in danger? No. So back off because you know who I am. I just love the way that she handled the situation. Um, I, again, like I paid attention to her parts the most. Um, it was very interesting that when she goes and escapes to the cave and we first get introduced to Timothy, the part of me already knew that that was Amos. Like, I, I don't yep. know why there was just like this, like, that ain't no Timothy. <laughs> like, the fact that, is that his Amos. name is literally Timothy didn't clue you in? Like, no, but like, it was just like the craziest thing because like, I, I wanted to give them the benefit of the doubt and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Okay. Who read the book and who did the audiobook? I read the book. I did the audiobook and I think that that's what and gave that's it away. Why. Because, because his he voice... Used... They use the same voice for Amos yep. as Timothy. I just, I, what I did was I just flashed back to the churn because yeah. Timothy is his name. And I was like, yes, 
Hang on a second. Yeah. I know a Timothy. A I, Timothy I just, who was lost on Laconia. <laughs> I just thought it was plain and innocent. Um, I actually, like, didn't pick up on it until, like, I just started puzzling in on it. But I think that the first thing that came to mind was as soon as I heard it in the audiobook, I was like, that's our boy. Um, I it, it was just so interesting that he he ended up like I don't want to say love but caring about Teresa and just mm-hmm. kind of like being a little bit of that mentor <laughs> reminded me of like Obi-Wan and Luke Skywalker kind of moment like she was just trying to learn from him um I really really enjoyed how he went down because he went down fighting um and my jaw dropped as soon as he returned at the very end um i wasn't expecting it uh, we were talking about this before we started recording that we were so focused on them not killing the dog that is completely just went over my head that some crazy person was starting to kill the soldiers behind uh, muskrat um so i enjoyed it um, again I was so baffled by it. I didn't, I, I feel like my reaction to Amos was the same reaction that Holden was. It's like, is it really you? And just Amos no, nonchalant way of responding. Yeah, it's me. What's your problem? <laughs> it was just fantastic. <laughs> Cause it's typical Amos style. And, and right now we have Miller number two. He knows more than we know. Um, and it's nice that this Miller, everybody can see. I thought it was interesting that Amos chose not to use the nuke because Teresa was in the city. Yeah. Um, Amos is definitely has always been a protector. And when he's your friend, he's your friend. (laughs) If he said it, you are. Yeah, that was a really beautiful moment. Like Holden's grieving because he didn't even know Amos was there. Yeah. And he sees this little girl who's like lost. Like, did he really care about me? And Holden's like, yeah. If he cared yeah. about, if he said he cared about you, he cared about you. Yeah. Yep. That was that was a lot. I got really emotional reading that part for for all of them because Teresa wanted that real friend. Um, yeah. And and Holden lost someone who was very important to him after already thinking he lost everyone, and and then you know Amos the fact that he was looking out for this little girl, the whole time was just you know it was a lot. Because I mean he did not grow up with the best influences Mm -hmm. and stuff like that and seeing who she came from that was super important to him so Mm -hmm. i it was so interesting that he decided to take this role and and just the fact that he protected her even during his death just like look away get down it it was just very amos like to do that so i really enjoyed it um In terms of the other characters, Duarte became a potato. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, hey, but he did clearly have some control over his potato ness. <laughs> given was, what happened to Cortazar. <laughs> oh my! I had to re-listen to that moment as soon as I I uh, I heard the that there was in the air the iron smell i was like oh no what just happened um i was so happy that cortazar just met his end because he thought he had everything in the bag and Mm -hmm. in the end he didn't he overestimated the power that everybody else had around him 
Uh Um, and it was very interesting that at the very end, you learned that Holden was the mastermind of everything. And it's, which is buck wild. (laughs) I did not see it coming to be honest, but it's really interesting because during the whole entire booklet, you see Holden, um, discussing the games of chess that he plays with Cortazar and how every single time, even if he tried, he would always lose to him. But it, 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 and I wrote it down in the show notes. It's that Cortazar wins the board game of chess, but in the end, Holden is the one that wins the game of survival and life wow. itself. That he played his his pawns so well like he knew what he was doing and I thought it was very brilliant because you typically don't see Holden in this position of being a mastermind of a lot of things you see him being a victim of circumstance and it's very nice that he was able to have some form of control of what was going to be happening to him and um I just I really really appreciated the fact that he put LV in a position where she was going to be in charge of the Loconian investigation Mm -hmm. because he knew knew that having her in that position of power would be greatly beneficial to him and in the end it works out perfectly um and it sets her up to use the children in such a probably advantageous tool in the next book i i think this is one of my favorite holden moments um because you see him taking an active role in what is to come and i really like that he was a sneaky little hobbit (laughs) It's interesting because he's always kind of had an active role, but this time he took a different kind of role. And it's one that we would never expect Holden to take because he is a good, he's always proven to be good and honest yeah, and not the kind of person to lie, not the kind of person to cheat. And so to see him manipulate, see yeah. him manipulate to see him yeah. after the death of Avasarala, realize the kind of person he had to be to survive. Yeah. Um, and and to at least even if he didn't survive to make sure Laconia became something better was was insane and the guilt he felt at the end when he was telling you know when ter- after Teresa took him hostage you know a 75 year old man just took yeah. him hostage no problem um and he tells her like i never wanted you to get hurt yeah i i i really did not want that i just wanted him out of the way and i'm and he kept reiterating, like, I'm I'm so sorry. Like, this is not, I never wanted to hurt you. Yeah. And, you know, and, and he goes into that even with Naomi when he starts saying, like, when they talk about, you know, how they just wanted her to be loved now because she's yeah. so twisted at this point. Um, but he, like, he talks about how he felt like he was losing his himself and his mind doing things that he would never do, which was manipulating people. Holden's never been a manipulator. And so while it hurt to see him kind of become that, because you didn't know that's what he was doing. Like you got the vibe. He hinted at it in the dancing bear chapter in the interlude right in the middle, that that's what he was doing because he talked about how he had been trying to get the dog to come to him. Yeah. And so that was kind of a hint. He was also coaching Teresa and saying, watch me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, oh, that was so yeah. creepy. Like, maybe not the best thing to say to a 16-year-old Holden is, you should be watching me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, Damn. Holden's always been my favorite character, and seeing him kind of realize the kind of person he had to be, again, something I want to talk about later, um, it was wild and scary, but 
he still had his conscience afterwards. He still felt bad. He told Naomi he felt bad and that he was just waiting to be himself again. And that was a lot. But, hey, it worked. Oh, it worked. It Flawlessly. Worked. It's probably the best, like, outcome of any of Holden's plans yeah. ever. No, he... Oh, no kidding. Like, uh, crazy, but I'm sure he didn't expect to be taken hostage by a 17-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> So, Duarte becomes a potato, as Andrea puts it. As Andrea puts it. <laughs> I felt that that was kind of a cop-out. I wanted to see a little bit more from him. Yeah. I agree. Um, and, and to be fair, we, ha- we haven't seen the last book yet, and there's still that opportunity he could become lucid again and whatnot. But At just the right moment. I want to see him, like, I don't know, get in a, a knife fight and get cut and grow back and oh, him cool. throwing... Like, doing the 300 thing, like, just kicking the crap out of people. Um, may or may not happen. That would yeah. be awesome, though. Um, but, yeah, just for him to just be built up so much mm-hmm. and then just be stonewalled. Well, I agree. I mean, there like... is a... No, I was going to say that there is a possibility that him and Amos are going to go head-to-head. Mm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's This story isn't complete, right. and I want to see some more of it. Um yeah, like, just the whole fact of him, like, it's very realistic that, you know, he keeps manipulating his body like this. It's not proven technology. And, yeah, this is uh, one possible outcome. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, you, you kind of expect it to just be a little bit more. Right. And, I mean, especially given the epilogue. Right. So after the epilogue for Persepolis Rising, which was Duarte, and it was Duarte observing Holden. There were a lot of really interesting things said in that chapter that gave me a whole different idea of what this book was going to be. Uh, Part of me wondered if he was going to infect Holden. They leaned heavily that he was going to interrogate Holden, which they completely skipped over any conversation between Duarte and Holden because they didn't have Holden chapters, which I get, because you you needed to not know what Holden was doing. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But... The biggest thing for me was Duarte's observation that Holden's brain was different. And you drop a bomb like that at the end of the book and then just. And I know we have another book left, but it just seemed really weird to have that him make that specific observation. And then like Duarte just doesn't give it doesn't care anymore. <laughs> like, I just thought that was I mean, I know he had different priorities and stuff, and there's a good chance he'll probably get explored in the last book. But it just seemed odd to end it that way, to end with him going in all these directions and not touching on any of them. Yeah. Uh something that'd be really interesting. I don't know if they'd ever do it, but um if they did this exact same book, but in other people's point of view. Mm. Just like paragraph by, or chapter by chapter, just other people's point of view from Holden's point of view. Now that we already know what's been happening, yeah. if we had that that story, that would be pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of, just a lot, a lot. The I really like the palace intrigue arc yes. more than the other ones. I mean, other than obviously, I've told you guys my favorite arc is Naomi's, but <laughs> yeah, plot wise, not character arc wise. Plot-wise, the palace intrigue one was far more interesting because you didn't know what you didn't know what was going on. You had no clue what was happening, and so the way, when it all came together at the end, it was awesome. 
Well, and like you were saying that in the last book, we really didn't know whether Holden was going to be tested or not. And we find out that it's Teresa, the one that's going to be the one in the, in the chair. Um, so that's the most interesting thing mm -hmm. because Duarte doesn't realize what he's doing to his body, like Brett said, and he's going to mm -hmm. expose his daughter to it. So mm -hmm. does he really love her? <laughs> no, he's just yeah. using her. So. He's using her to continue his his yeah. empire. And yeah. I mean he basically says that. It's like Hulk number one. Yeah. All over again. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> I just I got a lot of kick like I got a lot of kicks out of the out of the palocentric too. I have a list. Um, I just want to read them because I think I need to read them in the cadence. Holden just grabbing a dog like you do. Holden looking right into the camera like he's on the office like you do. <laughs> Holden creeping out a teenager like you do. Holden <laughs> being taken hostage by said teenager and everyone suspecting he took her hostage like you do. Yeah. Um, that was hilarious too. And Elvie's like, please don't do this. He's like, do what? <laughs> like, it was, I would love to see that exchange on a screen. Like Holden just very confused. Like, no, you don't seem to understand. The 17 year old and her dog from up are holding me hostage. Okay. <laughs> and that's why one of my favorite lines from the book is Holden telling them it's been a weird day. Because, <laughs> like how else can you describe what he went through in that single day? Yeah. In any other words. Because when when <laughs> Teresa goes to his cell and she's like, give me that whatever to, yeah. to and he's like, please, you really don't need to shock me. Torture and then she just me. turns around and stabs the other guy. Like it was yeah. phenomenal. I and I thought it was really interesting that they had that detail of Holden flinching when she turned it on. Yeah. Because they it's hard to tell, but unless you're paying attention, but he had been being tortured for months oh, yeah. at that point. Yeah. And there and, is that scene where he's sitting down and he's all bloodied up and mm -hmm. they go in to interrogate him. Yeah. Yep. And and the siege on Laconia, there was a huge time, like it took a long time. Yeah. And they hinted at so like Holden was in captivity, being beaten and tortured for months, which he talks about in the in the epilogue. So I thought that was a really interesting detail because earlier in the book she purposefully hurt him. Yeah. By calling him a murderer. And then this time he thinks she's going to literally hurt him. And she's yeah. like, no, you see, I'm going to use you for leverage. Exactly. You, you old creepy man. <laughs> like it, it just was a very interesting turn of events, but it kind of, it kind of, you know, it's, it, it broke my heart a little bit to have Holden like flinch just at something turning on. Um, and and then of course he has, he says like oh well getting those psych drugs this time when he got back to when he said that on the Ross he's like I love how he said it. he's like and there's the psych drugs to be expected <laughs> so you know it's just yeah that was like it's hard to forget that the books span a long time and you have to find those details yeah. And so this was a very, like her birthday happened yeah. in the middle of all this. A lot of time went by. And so, I mean, they talk about how Holden lost a ton of weight too. It's like, how yeah. long? And he's like, <laughs> I love his response to that too. Well, I'm going to work out more now. <laughs> like, it's, you know, it's just, it, it was a lot. It was a long time. The yeah. book took place over like years and yep. it's hard to, it's, it's hard to understand that scope. That's that, that big. 
Yeah, and we always forget, especially watching the TV show, mm-hmm. how much time it takes to traverse these things. Yeah. It's not it's not like, you know, you flipped a commercial, come back, and they're, yeah. they're there. Yeah, because they were on a burn to Laconia for days, Naomi yes. says. She talks about it. Like, it's it's a long time. And so it's just, like, it's just kind of crazy to think about. Like, for us, it was, like, maybe an hour or two since they locked Holden up. Yep. And then you're reading it's like it's been almost a year. And it's it's kind of it's just crazy. It's crazy like, oh, how damn. big space yep. is, isn't it? Oh, it's insane. A lot of space in space. <laughs> so we've discussed the book. Do we have any last I, I have one, but I want to make sure you guys because I always feel like I'm talking over you. Um I have a question. Any last for you minute observation? Oh dear. All right. Hit me with Where it. Where does this book rank for you guys in terms oh. of the already eight books that are out? Damn. Well, before we get to that, <laughs> I just want to say I, I love how each one of us have been like before this, before that, before this. Before this. So Fred is now the first. I'll put a ninja in there. Fred is now number one. I really, really wanted to hear what was happening on Mars, and I really wanted to hear yeah. what was happening on Earth, and we never got any of that information. Especially um, Mars, so, given yeah. Persepolis Rising talked a lot about how, or not Babylon's Ashes, talked a lot yeah. about how Mars was dying because people would rather go to a world that has yeah. the ability. Mass exodus. Yeah, it, everyone yeah. was leaving Mars, and that was the whole reason why Bobby felt like, uh, untethered there and everything else because people were just leaving because you can just go get a free world. So I, I was yep. curious how that was dealt with too. They talked about Earth a little bit because Earth was like growing food again and Earth was a huge exporter of food again. But that was it. I was curious what was happening down there too. I guess, but I guess that's kind of, they told us that Laconia is now the center of the empire, not. Yep. No, for sure. So I guess maybe, I don't know, but I'm, now you got me thinking about it. <laughs> Way to go, Fred. <laughs> what about you, Andrea? You got any burning thoughts about Earth or Mars? Nah, <laughs> let them burn. Oh, <laughs> let go down for life. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So now, uh, no. now we're back to the other before. <laughs> Andrea's so before. <laughs> yes, um, how does this book rank? It's hard for me to rank the books i did really enjoy it i enjoyed it more than i enjoyed persepolis rising um but for me it's always been more of the the character moments stand out to me more than the books because while babylon's ashes wasn't my favorite book that moment with naomi and holden near the end of the book when they're reckoning with the fact that they might not survive the attack on medina is probably one of my favorite moments in all of the books um even though that one's not my favorite. And I know why it was written the way it was, but it still wasn't, you know, it didn't jolt me. But it's hard to rank them sometimes. I'll just say I I really enjoyed it. It's probably in my top five, maybe. I'm similar to Shannon. Um, The first three books were just so good. Mm -hmm. I think they hold positions one, two, three. So this one would probably fall into four or five. I love Cibola Burn, too, and that's the other thing. It's like, yeah. is it better than Cibola Burn? Like, <laughs> mm. 
Yeah. Character moments have always stood out to me more than the books yeah, themselves. I, I agree. Yeah. If it comes to to booklets, one, two, and three are just are the best. It's just the beginning of everything. And I, I really arc. love that. Yes. Yeah. Um, and they will always like I can read those and never get tired of them. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of specific moments that I enjoy, I really love um Amos and um oh, what's her name? Teresa? No. Oh, Clarissa? Clarissa, yeah. I didn't know if you were talking about the whole series. No, yeah, yeah. This one. Uh, when they're on Earth, when the bombings, mm. or, or when the... Um, the when, rocks fall. When the rocks fall. I love that moment um, between them, just their need to survive and what they do in order to get to out of Earth. I love that. It was amazing. Um I, that whole that whole part on Earth just reminds me of Walking Dead. I don't know. <laughs> That's yeah, fair. Pretty much. Like apocalyptic, um, fend for yourself. Mm-hmm. And you have nothing but preppers and. Yeah. No, I I actually really yeah. enjoyed that. Um, and just how those two characters came to love one another mutually. Um, this book. <sighs> I enjoyed I saw it. that face Andrea made I, when she was thinking. I, I, I enjoyed it better than Persepolis. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say it's like in my top five for sure. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty good. I, I really don't know how I'm going to handle the next one. It's like Endgame. So. It's Endgame. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Shannon, I want you to drop this bomb on us about okay. just I, I've been so excited to talk about this. Roles. Go ahead. Yes. So I, I, what I said to Andrea was I was very excited about this realization because I came to it like as I was writing up my thoughts for this episode. Basically, you have like when you look at the Rossi crew, the surviving Rossi crew, because Clarissa, Clarissa's gone. Well, at, even Clarissa. Okay, if you look at the Rossi crew, right? In, in the last two books, these characters have had these roles that they have said they would never play or thought they would never play or never wanted to play, right? So h- about half the Rossi crew kind of went the opposite way of what they thought or, you know, wanted to do. And the other half kind of went the way you thought they were going to do. So you have Naomi, who has always said, I'm not the leader. I'm not, you know, I don't want to be the face of anything. I don't want to be in charge of anything, all that. She becomes the leader, the admiral of the resistance. And I really love that point when Holden comes back on the ship and everyone looks to him like he's in charge. She's like, I don't want to ruin this moment for him. (laughs) That was so good. (laughs) She's like, I can't ruin this moment for him. I can't tell him I'm in charge. We'll we'll deal with it later. I thought that was very sweet. Look at me. Look at me. I run this ship now. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was very sweet, though, because he'd been gone for so long and he didn't know any of this. Exactly. And, And he... You know, obviously, if he's been captured and tortured for five years, the the idea of him having that tiny bit of normalcy of everyone yeah. looking like, oh, shoot, it's James Holden giving that to him rather than being like, this ain't your ship no more. That was <laughs> that was a really lovely moment. But anyway, the, the way that I took that, though, is <coughs> that Naomi is the admiral. She's in charge. Mm-hmm. So Holden, even though he's the captain of the Rossi, still reports to her. Right. He's always reported to her, though. Let's be real. Well, yeah, okay, <laughs> except but, for you know his I mean. most impulsive <laughs> moments, he's always looked to her when yep. he needs something, and so that's what I think is beautiful about this because now she's the head of this resistance, 
And him looking to her is more now than just yeah. him looking for the thoughts of someone he loves. It's looking for the thoughts of someone who has done something incredible and yeah. has had more power than he will ever have in his tiny life. Um, so yeah, so then Naomi became the leader. Holden took on that role of manipulator, which, as as I said, has never been his forte. Um, I, I mean, I'll, I'll never forget that chapter in Babylon's Ashes where they he's groomed by a Vassarala to manipulate everyone. Yeah. And he does a terrible job. Um, <laughs> yeah. And that's to the point where, like, uh, Anderson Dawes does it for him without him knowing. Um so seeing him take on that role is very interesting because again, it's not, he's always been honest. You know, Naomi has been able to see him lying on TV. Like yeah. he, you can always tell Holden is always honest. He's always, um, you know, open. His whole thing is being open uh, and transparent. So like to have him manipulate and to manipulate a child, that's probably a role he never expected right. to be in. Um, he's lawful good. He is so lawful. He's got a little bit of chaotic in him, but most of the time he, he thinks he's chaotic, but he's really just lawful. Um, he's, he is, he's got a little chaos in him. He's a little crazy. Um, His life is chaos. Right? <laughs> then you, you, have, uh, you have Clarissa. You know, I, I'm not a monster because monsters, I forget the whole line. Oh, I love that line. Right? Though. And in the end, she sacrifices herself for the woman she tried to kill. Yeah. And so there's that. She kind of like flipped. She's not a monster. She is, in fact, like a hero, you know, that kind of thing. Then you have the characters who wanted things, you know. Naomi wanted to be captain. She wanted to lead. And she got that. She got to lead a section of the resistance. She got to have her own ship. And it wasn't Holden's ship. It wasn't the Rossi. She was captain of the Gathering Storm. Um, you mean Bobby. Bobby, did I, who did I say? Naomi. Bobby. I meant Bobby. I don't know why. I think I looked at my notes and my eyes landed on Naomi. So I said Naomi. Um, yeah, Bobby. Bobby wanted to be in charge. She wanted to not be in charge, but she wanted to have that chance. She wanted to be she, a leader. Ever since we got introduced to Bobby and her, her squad, her mm -hmm. not, was taken away from her. Yep. And she's been looking for that redemption yep. to have them back. And she yep. finally gets it. Mm -hmm. And she does a damn good job. You have Alex, who wanted to pilot battleships. Yeah. Um, and ended up just being like a glorified bus driver, as he puts it. Here he is piloting like the one of the greatest battleships known to man. Um, with with Bobby, with his best friend as his as his captain. And, and then you have my favorite moment. You have Amos. Who has told us that he will be the last man standing? Yeah, and he, in fact, is um, because now he is a crazy, scary, immortal zombie creature uh, who knows that whoever is coming will kill us all. Yeah. Um. So it's it's just kind of it's. I thought it was really interesting when I when I really started thinking about that. These are. The fact that you have the characters that became things they never thought they would be and the characters that became what they got, what they wanted. Right. It, it's just kind of I mean, Holden even never thought he was going to be a leader. He didn't want to be a leader. And then here is <laughs> look how well that turned out for him. Um, <laughs> yep. But, you know, it, it's just I thought it was really interesting that as we get to the end, kind of seeing these arcs come full circle in, in whichever and, direction they go is, is awesome. 
and every one of them, minus Bobby um, and Clarissa, were on the Canterbury yeah. to hide. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to be and, somebody that they were not, to yeah. be honest. Yeah. So, and now they have a purpose. When mm-hmm. they started in the camp, they didn't. So, my babies. Your babies. <laughs> yes. I'm wearing my, my new shirt for tonight with the Rossi crew names on it. But yeah, it's. I I find it really so fascinating looking back and and thinking about what these characters were when we first met them, all of them, what yeah. all of these characters were when we first met them, and seeing them now, as. I guess the expanse's version of middle aged, yeah. um, <laughs> kind of coming kind of coming into, the characters they were meant to be, whether they wanted to be that or thought they would be that or not. Minus Holden, because Holden is quickly shedding them. He's like, I'm done. This is disgusting. I need a shower. I need eight showers. Um, he's the only one that's, like, trying to get rid of what he was. Um, but the fact that he was something he never thought he would be in this book in particular. Um, I'm excited to see where all of these characters go for the last book. I'm glad. <laughs> I'm sure Holden will be very happy not to be a manipulator anymore of children and dogs. Yeah. Muskrat oh, yeah. M- Muskrat MVP. Um, Muskrat is gonna save everyone. You know what? You know what? I forgot that part. My one of my favorite parts of the book was when Muskrat comes over and she's like, "Her name is Muskrat," and Holden's like, "Do you know what a muskrat is?" <laughs> <laughs> like, um, so yeah, I just it, seeing these characters in this book was it, it was something, and it was amazing to see them all become what they needed to be. Like Naomi said. You know, if if I need to be Saba, that's what I will be. But we will need a James Holt. Like the fact that they talked about putting on the persona that they need to be and yeah. doing the job that they need to do. And and here we are seeing it because we are about to go into the end game. Yeah. And so they're going to need all these tricks in their wheelhouses if they're going to survive whatever took out the builders. Yep. Mm-hmm. So excited to see how this ends. I'm so anxious. <laughs> Where does book nine come out? <laughs> With luck on time. <laughs> that would be nice. Yeah. We'll see. We will certainly see. And what will it be called? I can't wait. The but end until game. Then, <laughs> until then. Until then we'll get season four. So exactly. at least there's that. And I, I do love I do love me some Cibola burn. Yes. That's gonna be interesting. All right, so that about wraps it up for Tamit's Wrath. I don't know if you guys have anything else to say. We talked a lot about the book. and I, I always love these book discussions, and I really hope that we're able to do the other books because we learn from each other about like our interpretations of the things, and um, I think that for the readers, um, it's also really cool just to go back and read them um, and see things that probably missed. Um, so if you really like this episode and you have some things that we probably didn't even mention about Tiamat's wrath, send us a message, leave us some feedback. We really love and enjoy reading what you guys have to say about what you guys heard. Um, do you agree? Do you disagree? Tell us why. Um, and in order to just give us the feedback, you can, um, find us online. You can email us at the type beam at random, um, sorry, you can email us at typebeam at randomchatter.com. You can also follow us on Twitter. Um, the typebeam is at the typebeam. Um, you can follow our network at randomchatter. Shannon, where can they find you? 
You can find me pretty much anywhere at Shankbeezy. Brad, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at Freddy Juan Kenobi. That's F-R-E-D-Y-W-O-N Kenobi. And you can also find me on Twitter at CatsBears. That's K-A-T-Z-B-E-A-R-Z. And you can also find Random Chatter on Instagram. You can also find Fred, Shannon, and myself there. Um, and if you love the type theme um, and you like hearing our wonderful voices, you can also go to randomchatter.com and also find other of the shows that we host. Um, we also have a wonderful crew of hosts that do other shows whether it be superhero dc marvel different types of movies there is always so much to listen to so um take a look and to show us some love so who wants to spread the word uh you should join our community you should become a random chatter member and there are a few fun ways to do that the funnest one and i i'm sorry that i am the worst at actually being there is our discord server we have a discord server you can find it uh by going to randomchatter.com discord now one of the things you may notice when you go there is if you are not a member of our um of the random chatter community uh if you don't you know hop over to our patreon become a member there are only a few channels open to you those channels are our main lobby there are um, our show channels where you can discuss the shows with listeners, but we have a lot more channels than that where we talk about like our favorite shows, our favorite books, our goals. Uh, we talk about like all kinds of fun stuff, collecting. I love the collecting Wednesdays, even though I haven't participated in a few weeks. I thought they were really fun. Those channels are open only for members. If you would like to become a member, you can start becoming a member for uh, with us. For as low as the low, 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 low price of $1. If you hop on over to randomchatter.com slash Patreon and become a member of Random Chatter for at least a dollar, you can join our really, really super fun Discord community. There are also a lot of other really cool perks to becoming a member of Random Chatter, like fun um, behind-the-scenes content, a lot of extra content, goofy stuff that came out of our movie drafts, uh, where everyone gets drunk and talks a lot. <laughs> um, so there's a lot of really fun things that come with being a member of the Random Chatter community. So, again, if you would like to become a member, if you want to open up our Discord to yourself, if you want to listen to some goofy weird stuff that we said during the movie draft, you can head on over to randomchatter.com Patreon and learn how you can join us. The music you hear is Ursa Minor by Cell Dweller. And as weirdly specific as this sounds, all <laughs> trademarks are owned by their respective owners. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us for our fun talk about Team It's Wrap. We can't wait to talk to you again soon. Take care. <laughs>